This is John Martinka, and welcome to the Getting the Deal Done podcast. My very special guest today is Tom Granger, the owner of FDG Web, and we're going to find out more about what they do uh, in the area of digitalization or also known as digital transformation. Tom's company is just north of Seattle, and he does some pretty exciting stuff in the digital world. So, Tom, I would like you to explain, you know, these buzzwords that I just mentioned about digitalization and digital transformation. But first, tell us how you got into into the business, because I think it's a pretty interesting story. Yeah, thanks, John. So I got into the business. I originally went to school for computer science and then uh, decided that I wanted to be a lawyer and and wanted to go to law school. Um, But prior to that, I met my wife and took a year off and, you know, basically had graduated into the 2000 tech boom and found that a lot more interesting than law and um, uh, basically began doing consulting for various startups and doing some design work. At the time, I was a graphic designer and programmer and did some work for my wife's law firm. And when it came time to write the check, they said, well, you know, who do we make this out to? And I had made up a, a business name on the fly. And I just said Florentine Design Group and took the check, which was my first earning ever, uh, took it to a bank and the bank said, we don't know who this is, <laughs> you know. Um, and so in short, to cash that check, I had to go get a business license. I had to then get a business bank. I had to register with a number of different agencies, uh, Department of Revenue, and finally cashed that check and suddenly found myself in business. Um, fast forward to uh, around 2002, and I was working for a software company that was one of the large dot-com flameouts at the time, um, and just found myself uh, surrounded by talent, developers, designers, who suddenly found themselves working at Starbucks. I mean, at that time, it was uh, quite the bloodbath. And so, you know, that was an opportunity for us to basically start doing services. And um, that's kind of how we got to market. And you've come a long way since in those 20 some years. uh, What you're doing, which is what we're going to talk about. So let's start by explaining what what is that digitalization? What does it mean? for the, the layman or laywoman who's not in your field? Sure. I mean, it means a lot of things, but basically it is attempting to codify various business processes or uh, I mean, essentially the, the critical things that your company does and moving them to a digital format. Now, on one hand, that can mean you know, dealing with a particular portion of the business. So sales and marketing could be you know, figuring out the the needs for a CRM. And on one hand, you know, people will treat CRM like a glorified contact management. So we have clients that merely just want to capture the web to lead. They want to have their sales team working within a CRM. For others, it's actually mapping the entire customer journey from, you know, the initial marketing to the first contacts with that prospect through the sales funnel and pipeline, and then subsequently, whatever it is your company delivers, 
the aftercare for uh, customer support, and then also being able to mine this data for various actions. And that would be to sell more services, to sell more product, to truly understand what your customer does and means to your organization. And that's, you know, that's really what we try to help our clients who tend to be more sophisticated companies or companies that want to be more sophisticated. They know what they want, but they don't know how to get there. Okay. Great. Good, good explanation. Um, Tell us about some of the problems you've solved for, for your clients. And I know uh, you've just in a big picture have shared with me how you've saved some clients when other much larger firms couldn't get it done for them. Yeah. So we're, we're a very boutique group. We have about a dozen employees. We are all full-time in office staff. So we tend to be the second, third or fourth developer on a project, but almost certainly we're the last, you know, we are able to succeed because our clients get to pick up the phone and talk to people directly and tend to talk to the same people year after year, even beyond a decade, who really do get to know their systems um, versus a lot of agencies where if you look on their staff pages, you will notice a lot of account managers, but you don't actually see any of the people who actually would do the design, the development, the integration, programming, Um, that's because they outsource. And while there's nothing bad with that, it does create several layers um, in between the client and ultimately the people that need to solve that problem. So that's where we have developed kind of our niche. And that's where basically we're looking for clients that want that type of relationship. Okay. So on your... Your website, not there. You know, you you mentioned CRMs and there's ERPs and APIs and 3PL, and I know you also do uh, Shopify platforms. Uh, explain a little bit about those things. Let's start with ERPs because I have never talked to a business owner or CEO who put in an ERP and didn't say it was a lot more complicated and troublesome than they ever <clears throat> expected. It, it is, and, and there isn't one real one-size-fits-all. So, you know, with ERPs, we tend to work backwards from the, the client's internal operations. So if they're a manufacturer, that's going to be, you know, radically different than, you know, someone that's basically where, warehousing or reselling products. So, you know, in, in working with our clients, we try to pick off, you know, this basically in like little concentric circles of, you know, it's, it's the old adage of how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time. So it, it can be so overwhelming, whether it's an ERP, MRP, or CRM, that you have to, you know, basically define like really small goals. And, you know, we basically gauge an agency that we work with, with how open to change, because a lot of this comes down from the C-suite executives, but the rank and file employees, you know, whether it's salespeople or warehouse or anyone in that fulfillment chain tend to be your biggest resistors to this change. So trying to anticipate what those problems are going to be up front makes the difference in success between just 
you know, this an executive de declaring that this is what the company will do versus what the company can actually do. Okay. Uh, a, tell us about what's an API. So it's it's really just a it's you know it's an application programming interface. It's really just a um, a way of basically saying a system that has an open set of um, uh, channels for you to interact with. So you know most in, in the early days, and we're talking really just not that long ago, <laughs> um, companies were very proprietary and closed systems. And the ones that embraced opening up their systems to allow others to build applications on top of them or to, you know, basically push and pull data in and out of other systems, um, you know, really rose to the top and were more successful than those that tried to keep it proprietary. So most systems that a modern company or business would interact with is going to have one or more APIs that we can then transact with. So in the case of our company is we tend to build applications that you know, interact with APIs in order to you know, either, um, how to put this exactly, you can do a lot with them. <laughs> um, you know, an, an easy example is let's take a Shopify store in which the company has a bunch of manual processes for pushing orders around to various warehouses with APIs that we work with, we can automate the send of that data to one or more warehouses. We can, if a customer is going through checkout and they're putting in multiple products into their cart, we can instantaneously determine where those products are located. We can then assemble what is the best fulfillment option behind the scenes and then push that data out to the various fulfillment centers and manage the communications so if you've got an order that's split between multiple warehouses, you may be using multiple carriers. Those carriers may have different ways of communicating back the status on an order. Um, just We just encountered a big snowstorm. Orders were delayed all over the place. So you know we will build systems that then will help kind of group and manage those communications so that the customer never has to hear from anyone else but just the, the, the company they purchased from. So they're not getting various alerts from UPS over here and then a freight company over here. It, it just gets confusing as to who's actually delivering their product. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, I know you're on your, I see three PL and I know that's third party logistics. So logistics are a big thing. Basically just what you talked about is, is logistics among other things. So uh, oh, it's would, is that a similar process as to an API? Well, no. So an API is more of a programming interface. So okay. it's basically open, opening up a system to the world. Now, 3PL is going to be built upon a number of APIs. So a great example is we work with an Amazon incubator company who has their, their product is filled by Amazon. So it's staged up in warehouses across the U.S. In turn, they, they have a Shopify store. They have an Instagram store. They're on the meta business platform. They have a number of other points of purchase that we basically help them determine what the source of truth would be for orders and make sure that all these different points of purchases are you know, flowing into the correct system of record so that they can consolidate their customer support and they're not having to go chase down orders in four or five different systems. 
They know what their inventory counts are at any given time. And from a customer's perspective, if I've purchased on Instagram, I may be using my payment methods that are within Instagram. And that API then communicates back to the store that the order is paid. Then there, through our, our 3PL integration, it then goes out to Amazon and maintains that that is a fulfilled by Amazon order. And you know Amazon then handles all the communication, but sends requests back to, to our system of record so that the customer can see their order you know, in the appropriate platform. In addition, you have, um, you have orders that are originating on Amazon that from an Amazon's customer perspective, they, they don't know anything about the customer Shopify store or any of the other platforms. They only know that they're a prime member and they expect to get it really quick. So APIs are how all these different systems talk to one another so that at any given time, you know what happened, where and when and how to best handle it. Yeah, like you just mentioned snowstorms and why the Christmas presents were delayed and all yeah. the notices we get. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I've, I'm learning a lot, Tom. Thank you. I've got Not really only one more topic. And if you want to, anything else you want to get out about what you do and what makes you different, but, and I think it's a very important topic, uh, compliance work. Uh, there's so much these days that, you know, you, 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 you know, just booking a doctor's appointment is two-party authentication and everything else that goes with it. And it's not just medical, but talk about compliance work. Sure. Yeah. There, there's a number of standards that, that businesses have to adhere to with how they handle customer information, personal information, and then at an even higher level, if they are a clinic, hospital, you know, uh, medical app, they need to comply to HIPAA standards, which are the highest data standards out there. So we do a lot of work for, uh, well, here's the problem. There's a lot, a lot of small entities that do not understand these at all. And the government imposes extraordinarily high fines, including the potential to have some criminal charges if, for example, a, a company has a data breach in which, I mean, they had unauthorized access to personal information. So an owner gets notified by that. It's, you know, maybe a plugin their designer put in, there was no real thought put into security and they just decide to just, you know, fix it and cover it up. You can't do that. That, that strays into an area of, of criminality and there's a lot of ignorance out there as to what you're supposed to do if you have a data breach. And we live in a world where even the CIA is getting compromised. It's, you know, it should be every business's um, business to make sure that their things are secure and then encrypted and then that they have proper policies and procedures for, um, you know, what to do in the case of a breach. And, and it's not, we're not trying to sell by fear here. It's just, this is the world that we live in. And there's a lot of clinics even hospitals that are doing this incorrectly. And we work for Delta Dental, we work for University of Washington. Um, we do a lot of work in this space and it's another one of the, the services that we offer is HIPAA web development and HIPAA security and consulting. Great. Uh, uh, and that carries, and obviously that 
carries over to other industries because you said HIPAA is the tightest on all that data. And if you can do it for it, the for the tightest, you can do yeah. it for anyone. It is, it is. And, and I think, you know, the even back to APIs there is that a lot of businesses are understanding that if they install their own shopping cart on their own website, they basically have become a uh, software company. And, you know, there's, there's a big push to systems like Shopify, which are hosted and they maintain that security for you. They give you a set of APIs that you can transact with. And a lot of businesses are merely just kind of offloading that liability to these hosted platforms. Um, so they can really just do, you know, what they do best, which is sell and serve their clients. And Shopify is not the only one out there, but that just represents kind of a, a, a you know, trend in the industry that, you know, you're going to see more, more e-commerce move to, you know, let's say Shopify at the middle market and, you know, even using Salesforce for e-commerce. We have a lot of clients that have pushed all their e-commerce to Salesforce for a more enterprise, you know, level experience. Mm -hmm. Okay. Tom, is there anything else you'd like to share about FDG and what makes you different and special? Well, you know, I'd say we're not different or special. Um, it It's something that, you know, drives me a little nuts when, when I look at various agencies that, you know, talk about how they have a, you know, new and unique way of design or development. And to us, it's, no, we, we don't have a unique way. We have a tried and true way of ensuring the success of our projects and developing the best systems, designing the best systems that we can do. And that's, you know, that's our value proposition to our clients. Well, given you just talked about how some of these places aren't in compliance, I would say what you do is special and different because you're doing it right all the time. Yeah, I hope so. So tell tell everybody how they can get a hold of you. Sure. Well, you know, we are FDG Web. That's F as in Frank, D as in David, G as in George, web.com. And you can reach out and we'll get back to you right away. All right. Tom, thank you. Uh, as again, I, I learned I learned quite a bit from this, and I'm sure others will have also. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you, John.